just this breath, just this moment. We are constantly trying to find the balance between being courageous and being patient. It's a fine line between the two sometimes, but we need to walk it carefully. We're trying to find ourselves, determine what our next step is. Who are we in this next stage? But maybe, even once we've decided, maybe we're not there yet. Or maybe it's just not our time yet. But when we're ready to take that step, or rather, we think we are, but it's just not happening yet, it can be frustrating. Why? Why isn't it happening? I just want it to happen. I just want the future me now. While the process isn't fun, growth isn't fun. Growth is often painful and often boring. But it's a necessary process to get us where we need to be. Just this breath, just this moment. At times like this, when we're feeling anxious and ready, but we aren't making the progress we want, we need to be patient. It can be frustrating to see and know where we want to be, who we aspire to be. We need to sit in our discomfort, appreciate where we're at now, and enjoy the process of getting to where we want to be. Maybe you've embarked on a new career, or you've taken up a hobby, or you've enrolled in a college program, or you've started on a fitness path. We all want to decide to play the piano and poof, we know how to play the piano. We want to decide to lose 50 pounds and bam, we're down 50 pounds. Or maybe we want to launch a podcast and poof, thousands of subscribers come flocking to us. But we need to have the patience to get there, the fortitude to sit in that discomfort and recognize the process. It's not time yet. That doesn't mean it won't ever be. It's just not yet. Focus on the journey to get there, not on just the destination. The hike to the summit is the hard part. The view is our reward. Don't lose this moment looking for another. Just this breath, just this moment. Of course, the fine line for us to balance on is to know when to push, when to be courageous and take that leap of faith. We can't always wait until we're ready because some of the best things for us happen when we're not ready yet. And really, we may never have felt that we were ready for them to happen anyway. Just this breath, just this moment. We need to let go of the what ifs and know that we are ready to take ourselves to the next level while still maintaining the patience for the process. Be ready now so you don't need to get ready then. The key is in being able to distance yourself enough to see the big picture. Trust in your intuition enough to know when it's time to take the leap and when it's time to take a breath. See your journey as a witness rather than as the main character. Be a neutral observer just as you would on that actual hike. Appreciate how far you've come and recognize how far you need to go. Pace yourself and enjoy the process. Just this breath, just this moment. Hey guys, it's Jen. 
The relationship between and among siblings is a really interesting one because the sibling relationship is really like no other. Biological siblings share 50% of their DNA, which is crazy when you think about it. If you have a sibling, they are 50% the literal same as you. It's also really fun to look at your kids and think of it that way, trying to see what they share, how they look alike, act alike, stand, talk, move. Sometimes I don't even see things with mine that others see. I know the boys football coach told me that on the first day of practice, he told my younger son that I don't know what your first name is, but I know your last name. And they're not even my two who I think look alike. My daughter's face is somehow the one that crazily opens my middle's phone, which makes him nuts because for whatever reason, his face doesn't open her phone. The mysteries of genetics, right? Well, recently, I've had a couple of reframing friends reach out with issues amongst their kids, arguing, not sharing, pretty common sibling challenges. I was going to talk about this last week, but I decided to put a pin in those so we could have our very important conversation about mental health. As a side note, if you haven't already, please go back and listen to the Mental Health is Health episode. It's so good and so very important. But now here we are back to siblings. And funnily enough, then this morning, I got an email from my younger son's first block math teacher. Okay, so my oldest drives the two of them to their high school because they start later, and I drive my daughter to her middle school that starts a bit earlier. We leave first in the morning, so the boys are still doing their thing when we get out of the house. The email said something like, Kane is doing fantastic in the class. Woohoo! Yay! Good morning! What a great way to start the day. Unfortunately, the email continued. I need your help getting him here on time. He's already been tardy four or five times. Awesome. Good morning. Of course, when I texted the boys about it, I got the response I knew was coming. Come on, Tobias, do better. I'm always ready. And I know he is. But he is completely dependent on his older brother, who is absolutely never ready because he is a human sloth in the morning. So I thought it appropriate to unpin that topic and have a conversation today about siblings and the importance of strengthening sibling relationships to prevent some issues, work through them, make stronger relationships, and make them better in the future. I know that I, like many other people, definitely decided on the size I wanted my family to be based on the family of origin that I came from. I have one sister and I am four years older than her. Two girls, it was always calm and quiet at our house. I knew that I wanted more excitement and chaos. Be careful what you wish for, right? I sure got both. We always got along, but in my opinion, it was a weird age difference because we weren't close in age, but we weren't far apart either. It was like once we got past Barbies, we were always missing each other for interests. 
Like I was in high school and she was in middle school. As I went to college, she moved to high school. As I graduated college, she started college. And honestly, even with life stages, until recently when we were both, you know, are now married, working, have kids that are not babies, this is the first time since Barbies that I feel like we are at the same point. Anyway, I knew I wanted more than two kids and I wanted them to be within the age difference we were. I was very lucky and things went according to plan somewhat, which puts my three within three years and four months of each other. Ideally, there would have been a fourth possibly, but my daughter was born at 27 weeks and after 63 scary days in the NICU, we had no doubts that she was our last. My sister has an only, and I'm going to try not to take that personally because I am sure she has her reasons for that and I am positive that they don't have anything at all to do with me. Sibling relationships are really unique for a number of reasons. First, I mean, for most people, they're the longest lasting relationship in many of our lives. Other people, for the most part, just don't have the access to us like our siblings do at every different stage of our lives. Second, I believe we have mentioned the concept of non-volition before, probably when we talked about families as systems back in the new season episode. In family communication, non-volition refers to the fact that we don't willingly get to pick our family. They're just kind of there and we're stuck with them. So that goes for sibling relationships too. They're involuntary and they're permanent. It is difficult, if not nearly impossible, to end the relationship with your siblings. Yes, you can cut them out. You can be estranged, of course. But they still are your sibling, even if they're not actively in your life. And the fact that they even exist impacts you. And there's always the potential opportunity to revitalize the relationship in some way. Similarly, even through death, the relationship of having had a sibling still impacts you. And because of the difficulty in ending the relationship and the inability to dissolve the sibling status, these relationships can sustain major problems that many friendships could never handle. You can interact infrequently with them and still feel good about the relationship and feel close to your sibling. Okay, third, sibling relationships are unique because out of all familial relationships, they have the most equitable power distribution, especially as you get older. Fourth, the relationship is influenced by a long shared family history. I mean, no one else shares as common of a life experience with you as your sibling does. The duration and the extent of the shared family history is one that you don't have with other relationships. I know that there are many things that only my sister gets or understands or knows the answer to because we both lived the same experience. And last, sibling relationships are super unique in how they can be such a source for paradox, right? Best friends, worst enemy competition, conflict, rivalry, and love, care, and support. I know how it is with my three. They can do or say anything to each other about each other, but if anyone else dares to cross one of them, watch out. 
Hell hath no fury like scorning their sister, or even worse, her brother. Yes, all siblings have some degree of conflict. I mean, think about the time and space and resources that they share, and for some, fight over. It would be impossible not to have conflict. Whether they're toddlers vying for their mama's attention or teenagers fighting over who gets to take the car, there's often a struggle to claim what is theirs. Research shows that healthy sibling relationships significantly benefit us in life. Higher life satisfaction, we have lower rates of depression, emotional, social, and psychological support. Research also shows that sibling relationships play a major role in how we will interact in our relationships and our future lives with both friends and romantic partners that come to our lives later. If there's one thing we have learned through our conversations, it's that everything changes during the teen years and sibling relationships are a part of that too. The extent of how these relationships change will be different for every family, depending, of course, on the age difference between the siblings, whether the siblings are older or younger than your teenager, or if, like mine, they're all teens at the same time. If you have younger siblings in the house, it's pretty natural for teenagers to try to distance themselves from them in their tween, early teen, and maybe even mid-teen years. They might feel that they have nothing in common with them. And really, at this age, your teens are trying to find out who they are. And about the only thing that they are certain on is that they're not a baby anymore. And they definitely don't want to be categorized with any babies, which is how they may see their younger siblings. They're also at a stage that many of them are trying to gain independence from us, and they realize that their younger siblings still have a tight allegiance to us, so they're unlikely to be able to trust them. As parents, we need to recognize and teach our younger children to respect their older siblings' privacy and their trust. And unless it's a real safety concern, we should absolutely never encourage tattling on the older one because that is a very quick way to drive a wedge right between them. Now, don't worry, teens with older siblings, they have their issues too. As we've talked about, we need to change our parenting as our kids get older, including giving them more independence and more privileges. Obviously, older teens are going to have more of that freedom than younger teens, which may lead to resentment and jealousy because to your younger one, things just look unfair. Of course, they're not understanding cognitive development levels and maturity differences, so they're just going to see it as us favoring their older sibling. But we need to be careful not to give in if we shouldn't. That's like the wishy-washiest statement, right? Don't give in. Well, unless, of course, we should give in. Then what does that even mean? Okay. As parents, we do have the tendency to hold onto the reins a bit more the first time through. Maybe not give them as much freedom as we should because it's our first time at this. They're still our babies. It doesn't seem right for them to be able to do that yet. It's too grown up. But by the time we get to younger ones, we may have realized that we, in fact, held on too tight. 
they were more grown up than we realized or wanted to realize. And so with the younger one, we tend to let them do it. Well, that's, of course, going to be a sticking point for our older teen, right? Who is like, you didn't let me do that when I was her age. While the younger one is on the other issues telling you, why can he do that and I can't? It's hard to be a mom, right? Anyway, that's what I mean by that. Acquiesce if you realized that you held on too tight, but not if it's just going to make your life easier and make the younger one stop whining. Typically, by middle teen years, they will become closer to both older and younger siblings, especially if they are nearish to their age. This closeness often continues to strengthen as they move through adolescence, especially if they had a close relationship prior to the teen years. It's really that the age difference isn't so developmentally huge anymore as they get older. Like the difference between a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old is huge, but not nearly as big between 16 and 19 or definitely between 19 and, say, a 22-year-old. They tend to have more in common and share more similar interests and experiences, which brings them closer together due to the mediating condition of actually liking them. It's a similar situation with siblings who are close in age because they just share more things in common. Even if they're totally different kids and totally different personalities, the lack of an age gap typically brings them, if nothing else, developmentally similar. And for many, it often brings other similarities too. Unfortunately, for close in age siblings who are very different, no more than kids at school who are very different than them, it can also highlight these differences and cause more conflict. If so, because they are so equitable. Now, with my three, they are all so close in age, so they're just a little over three years from first to third, so I've always said that my middle is the only one who did things age appropriately. They've been too close in age to really ever separate by age, if that makes sense, so my oldest has always been held back just a bit, and my youngest has always been pushed forward a bit. So they've gravitated to the middle, whether it was toys or friends or activities or vacations. When Kane reached the point that something seemed quote unquote right, they all did it. You get a new bike and you get a new bike and you get a new bike. Everyone gets a new bike. Never mind the fact that your knees have been hitting your nose when you pedal for the last year, Tobias. And ever, don't worry that your feet don't reach the ground just yet. You'll be fine. At least Kane is the right age and size. And yes, this did actually happen. A great example for us was kindergarten. Tobias did a half-day program at their day school and moved to his regular school for first grade because he wasn't ready for a full day. Oh my God, he was totally ready for a full day. It was 100% me who wasn't ready for him to go a full day. Reins were too tight. Kane did regular kindergarten at the regular school at the regular time. Ever, well, she started regular kindergarten at the regular school at four because why not? She was ready, not going to learn anything else in pre-K, may as well move her along. 
the majority of teens later in adolescence and early in their adult years will typically restore their relationships with siblings, unless, of course, there were unhealthy or destructive extenuating circumstances to the relationship. We know that the more we can mitigate issues as their teens and the more positive their relationships are, the sooner the better is better for all of us. So how do we encourage these healthy relationships? First, do not compare your kids. Never say things like, why can't you be like your brother? Or your sister doesn't talk back to me. Why do you? (laughs) That actually makes me laugh because if there would ever be a comparison in my house, that would 100% not be the one I'd ever make. Comparison is the surefire way, though, to create sibling rivalry and to build resentment. Just be careful because keep in mind, they often, as teenagers, don't hear the exact words we say, and sometimes they read into things differently than we mean them. And I know I totally fall into this trap sometimes, though. Just last week, it was not a direct comparison, I promise. It was more I was trying to use him as an example, but even that, I could tell she took it as a direct comparison, much more so than I meant. My daughter started swim. She is a strong swimmer and she used to do dive. So it's not new, new, but swim team is. So there are all the social factors and routine factors and different stuff that are making it feel very new to her. After the first practice, she cried and told me she wasn't going back. I used my oldest as an example because as a freshman, he randomly made the last minute switch from a life of soccer to football. And it was quite a change. It was a huge adjustment. And had we given him the choice, he probably would have opted not to go back. And fast forward a couple of years and football is his absolutely favorite thing literally the best thing that could have happened to his high school life. The entire trajectory of his life would probably be different. Anyway, my point was more, you can't decide after one practice, see what happened with Tobias. What she heard was, why can't you be like Tobias? So we have to be extra careful. Sometimes even when we're not trying to compare, we may inadvertently do so. Oh, so I don't want to leave you hanging. We're now four practices in and not one complaint. She has at least three new friends and she totally has fun. Okay, next, find things that they have in common and foster those. You can always find something. Research shows that typically same-sex siblings are the ones who stay closer, but that it's mediated by having more in common. For some siblings, this will happen more organically based on age and gender and personality. But for some, it might require you to find something and encourage it. I know with my boys, the commonalities are more organic. They play the same sports and video games and watch the same YouTube videos and work out together and have overlapping friends. Two boys, 22 months apart, the commonalities are pretty natural. My oldest and my daughter have super similar personalities, so they just naturally seem to be very close. 
interestingly, it's her and my middle who, despite apparently sharing same facial features to open an iPhone, they have always been a little bit more forced. I think for them, it's the 18-month age difference and the boy-girl thing because developmentally, they've always been more equal, which I think has led to more conflict. She's supposed to be the younger one, but because girls mature faster, it's been a bit more of a struggle. I've tried to find the overlap over the years, and the biggest one, funnily enough, has been the water. When I said that she did dive for a number of years, that was something that they did together. They've both always been water bugs, so I've latched onto that with them. My oldest has not. So they're the two who are out in the pool or on the dive team or who I'm taking to the beach or who we're taking tubing. I've pushed all of those things at some point, which has given them more of an interest together. Interestingly enough, it is his girlfriend who is also her good friend who even got her to sign up for swim in the first place. But regardless of age and gender, you can manage to find something even if they can't. My daughter loves to bake and the boys love to eat. Anytime they have friends coming over or there seems to be just little, little less interaction, I'll suggest that she bakes something. Of course, they are excited with the muffins or cupcakes or cookies or whatever, and she is happy to bake and it brings them into the same circle for a bit. I don't push her. I mean, if she doesn't want to, and certainly if she wasn't into baking, I wouldn't be like, hey, make a treat for the boys' friends. I mean, I know I'm sure not. I can order DoorDash for them like no one else, but unfortunately, I'm just not that mom. Kind of along the same lines, teach and expect them to appreciate and to respect each other's differences. Yes, it's super easy to appreciate the things that we have in common with people, but it's a lot harder to appreciate the differences. Maybe it's a difference in interests, making one appreciate the other's play while the other appreciates the first one's game. Or maybe it's in personality. It's hard to understand when one is an introvert and the other is an extrovert. Or one is good in math and the other just doesn't. And so the first can't grasp why the non-math one just doesn't get it. In addition to finding the commonalities, we need to make sure that they appreciate and respect and take part in the other one's preferences. I have one who loves board games. The other two do not. While we may not have game night often, when we do, you can bet they're all taking part. Maybe one plays loud music while another likes the peace and quiet of reading. Bet you can guess that would cause a conflict for sure, right? Teaching them to respect each other's preferences is the first step in managing that conflict. And that brings us to the next point. Expect them to disagree. But when they do so, expect them to do it respectfully. People who love each other can disagree. We all know that. But like we talked about in the conflict episode, it's how we handle those conflicts that is more important than what the conflict is about. This is why I believe that hiding parental disagreement from kids when they're even young is a mistake. Of course, there are limits on that, but conflict is one of those learn by example things. And kids who don't see conflict don't learn how to model the conflict management portion. 
Similarly, that's why onlys are often so much more uncomfortable with any situation involving conflict because they don't have the experience with the management of it like kids with siblings do. But establishing respective differences, empathy for others, open communication, listening to others' perspectives, all make them better at managing the conflicts when they inevitably occur. More broadly, we can add always encourage respect among siblings. The next couple are not going to sound all that different than what we have talked about before. But you want to encourage the family as a unit while fostering each of your teen's individuality. We've mentioned a number of times the concept of relational dialectics. Relational dialectics are two bipolars that are seemingly opposite, but you actually need both. The complicated part is balancing the two. In both the new season and Mary and Bright, we talked about stability and change. Another one of these dialectics is integration and separation. As parents, we need to manage both of these in our families, especially with multiple children. So we need to maintain a very delicate balance between integrating them so that they are cohesive and close as a group while still maintaining enough separation among them so that they recognize themselves and their role as individuals within the family system. This becomes a key factor in sibling relationships because by maintaining this balance, you establish their individual role and their importance in the family without creating any rivalry or competition, and you foster the closeness of the relationship. Make time for fun together and encourage family bonding. We have talked about this repeatedly. Yes, sometimes it's forced family fun, but making time to be together as a unit and having fun while doing it makes siblings actually enjoy being together and have better relationships. Some families fall into the trap of always having friends around. Obviously, friendships are super important for everyone to have, but they definitely shouldn't take the place of sibling relationships. I know it can sometimes be easiest to just be like, everyone bring a friend. But what happens when you instead have it just be them? It provides an opportunity for them to bond. Regardless, hopefully by doing all of these things, you'll have established it organically and won't even need to press my last point. But last, make sure that they realize the importance of their siblings. In the teen years, it's supernatural to gravitate towards friends and to take family for granted. But you need to make sure that they are recognizing and respecting the importance of their siblings. Overall, communication research consistently shows that affective communication skills, so those that relate to feelings or attitudes, are super important in the formation and maintenance of sibling relationships. So comforting, ego support, conflict management, self-disclosure, having a willingness to communicate, they're all so important. Also, basic relationship maintenance behaviors between them can create those quality relationships that we've talked about on earlier episodes. Things like positivity, openness, having common networks of people, sharing tasks or interests, all of these can make siblings actually like each other more, which obviously will make them have a better relationship. 
It's not always going to be easy with a house full of teens, but creating and managing the sibling relationships along the way is a part of the process. The value of close sibling relationships in the long term is worth the journey to get there. But some days, I'm not going to lie, it's going to be rough traveling. So many hormones, so many screams and tears amongst them. So many, it's not theirs, directed at you. So much mediation. But it's all part of the journey. Just this breath, just this moment. Thank you so much for listening. I know that you could have spent the last hour-ish with anyone, and I am so very grateful for you choosing me. I hope that I've given you something to think about that can help make the relationship amongst your children a little bit easier or better. And I hope that you will remember to go back and reflect on the idea of that balance between courage and patience. If you're not already, please follow the show so you don't miss any new content. Also, I'd love to have you reach out to me on socials. I'm on Facebook, follow Reframing Me. Um, Join the Facebook group, Reframing Me, a podcast community. On Instagram, at Reframing Me, TikTok, at Reframing Me. Or email me with questions or issues that you might want me to cover in a later episode. Jen at reframing-me.com. I hope that you enjoy the podcast enough to go in and review it, or even better, just share it with others who you think might benefit from it. That's how we're going to grow this community. And if you're new to the community, welcome. Be sure to go back and catch up on earlier episodes. Until next time, be well, communicate, and always be grateful.